0: Oh, you never be my friend
1: Hey, you're listening to Rock And Or Roll. on BJ. And on today's episode, we hear from a Scottish singer-songwriter named Brian Spence. Brian played guitar with a glam rock band called Bilbo Baggins in the early mid-70s. They started out in the same clubs as early incarnations of the Bay City Rollers and eventually shortened the name to just Bilbo. You'll hear Brian mention Colin numerous times on this episode. That's Colin Chisholm who was the singer from Bilbo Baggins, and Brian and Colin Chisholm also released an album as Chisholm & Spence in 1980. In the mid-80s, Brian launched a solo career, releasing two amazing AOR albums, The Incredible Brothers in 1986 and Reputation in 1988. Interestingly, those albums were actually huge hits in Portugal. And Brian can still travel there and perform for very enthusiastic crowds to this day. Alright, so let's hear my interview with Brian Spence. i've always been obsessed with glam rock i really i love glam rock that especially the uk yeah. stuff from the 70s yeah i'm,
2: I'm, a, I'm a bit of a fan myself actually yeah yeah i'm sure well. you are
1: yeah so i wanted to ask you yeah. about that well, i wanted to ask you you know how you got started in playing music and then how you ended up uh playing in a glam rock band
2: um okay we'll go back to start after the beatles came along i think i was about 10 years old or something like that everybody started getting guitars for the Christmas and things like that and even if you didn't have a guitar you'd get a bit make one out of a bit wood and a bit cardboard mm-hmm. and paint paint strings on it and stuff like that and then um, there was that some guys at school did a did a a concert they just mined some people records. because they are only about 11 by this time the girls started screaming for them you know it? and I thought oh I'd like some of that. (laughs) So then then for the next few years, couple of years, um, I wanted a guitar for my Christmas and I didn't get it and I didn't get it the next year. And my friend got a guitar and he started a band. He was actually in in Bilbo Baggins as well. He became, we got him in later on, but he had the guitar a year before me. So by the time the next year came around, he'd already got a band together and I was desperate to get a guitar. My mother bought, his guitar, his old guitar for my Christmas, which she got for three pounds. I had to tune it up with a pair of pliers, it was all broken and the strings were miles away from the frets and it's really difficult to play. Oh, no. And um, I, And I thought, I'm never really gonna get the hang of this, you know, like be able to do the bar chords and stuff. And one day I went on somebody else's guitar and it was like, oh, this is really easy. So, by that time, I'd brought up a lot of strength in my fingers and that, and so, I, I was just obsessed with it. I just couldn't put it down. Uh, I got in a band, like, I think after I'd been playing guitar 18 months, I was already in a band, and we were, we were traveling about when I was 15. And in Edinburgh at that time, all the bands were like intermingling. But before Bilbo Baggins came along, I think it was in maybe eight different bands. It was a really big live scene there, you know. One of the places, it's called the International Club, and they had three floors of music. there maybe be two or three bands on each floor. Just It was just massive. It was, everybody was playing all over the place, and we were we were gigging six nights a week and working at the same time. But it was just a fantastic scene at that time, you know? I can't remember. It was in, in a few bands that had, like, City of scenes and stuff like that. And Tam Payton from the Basic Rollers. Got in touch with me and he wanted to join the base. Me to join the basic roles Rolls when David Payton was about. Well, he was about to leave the band, and David Payton. do you, you know, David Payton. He started off Pilot. Mm-hmm. Do you remember Pilot? Yeah, January yeah. and all that. Stuff. So, I think I was sixteen then, and he wanted me to join the basic roles Rolls. So I travelled round with him, but because he was getting kicked out of the band. He was still there, and I just felt terrible about it. Now, he wasn't getting picked, kicked out of the band because he wasn't a great musician. I think Sam Payton was losing control of him, and he really had to control the whole band completely. So I just felt really bad about it, and I just I didn't I didn't do it. So I started a few other bands, and then um, eventually Dave and Colin, who'd been in this other band called Bunter, which is split up got in touch with me, said, you want to put a band together? And I already knew Tam Payton. We didn't have a drummer or a proper drummer yet, so I got in touch with Tam, and he said, oh, I know this drummer from Glasgow. He's in this other band at the moment, but he's going to leave very soon. So he put us in touch with Fid, our drummer, and that was the start of Bilbo Baggins. Um, Tosh came in about a year later, the other guitarist, the guitarist who started guitar the year before me, Mm-hmm. And and that was it. And um, Tom Payton said, "I'll I'll get you the record deal." And and we were going, "How long will it take?" He said, "Oh, he said I'll get you a record deal within a year." And we were going, "A year? That's too long." <laughs> <laughs> you know, when you're young, and that's like that's a lifetime. You know, it's like no. Oh. So, but he did actually got we, we we signed up to Colorado, got a thousand pound advance that we didn't know. Uh, this this other agent who was involved was that had kept his money. Mm. Uh a guy called Peter Walsh who managed he managed um, Billy Ocean, Matt and Katie Katie Kasun, the Marmalade, he had a whole bunch, big Luther. Mm. So he kept our money, didn't tell us about it. When we found out about a good left eye agent. Anyway, so we brought out five records with Paul at that time. came to an end when we left Tampatin again and we got this other guy involved with us Henry Spivey. yeah so we we ended up signing up with him and he got us a record deal and we brought a single with him uh, She's Gonna Win which was our first thing record we got in the charts but when we, were, we before that we, even though we didn't have a lot of success we got um, we were on television all the time and all the magazines all the time and uh we had Colin Chisholm was a phenomenal singer, so I think that's what what kept the whole thing going. Really, his voice, you know, gave it gave us a bit more a bit more credibility. We had quite a lot of guys following the band, uh, as opposed we had female fans as well. But we had quite a lot of guys that were into us because it was a slightly more aggressive side of things that we had. Although you would never really know that from the records. Mm-hmm. But. Life thing is more that more a street sort of thing. During that time, we did them. Um, we, we toured a couple of times with the rollers, um, the little bits, mud. So, the, the Bay uh, City rollers, were
1: they all, had they already broken really big by this time you're talking about?
2: But by, by, yeah, by, by that time, when I first went with them, when I was first going to join them, they, they, had, a, they had a massive phone. They didn't quite have a record deal yet, but they're just about to get one. Mm-hmm. Um, and they, they had a Really big the eve before they even got a record deal. But it was a completely different band. And if, I don't know if you look at the list of the people that have been in basic roles. Something like 20. Yeah. And every every time... He would always think he was ready to put somebody out of the band when he noticed that they stopped washing their hair. So <laughs> that's when they're becoming rebellious. Um yeah, and you'd have to, after we'd have our rehearsal, we used to have to go to Tam Payton's house afterwards, so it'd be like 10 o'clock at night, we'd finish the rehearsal, we'd go to his house, and we'd just have to listen to him rant and rave for maybe a couple of hours, just telling you how big the basic rolls are going to be, and stuff like that, and um, and he was right, you know. Uh, they never made any money out of it. They, they didn't see any of it. He bought a nice house. I'm not sure he, even he got everything that he, sh- he should have got. But he had a real nice house in, in just the outskirts of Edinburgh. And he would do all this, like, stuff that he got arrested for later on, the with, with paedophile stuff out there and all that, you
1: know.
2: Yeah. It was quite a, a sort of scene, actually. But um, we were lucky. We never got dragged into any of that. And uh, I, I think there was a period, like, where we had signed We'd signed up with this agent and then the agent talked us into leaving Tam completely. This was the agent that kept £1,000 and us to go with him. So we left Tam and then when we found out that he'd kept the money, we went back to Tam. But Les McEwan, when we were on tour, he said, look guys, he's, he's just, he's just going to hold you back. He's not going to do anything for you. And he literally didn't answer phone calls where we were getting asked to go on certain TV shows and stuff like that. He just... He was um, very vindictive. If anybody left the rollers, he would try and destroy them, their careers. Was it Pat McGlynn that, that formed Scotty? Well, I think it was him. They, they became actually really big in Japan.
1: Yeah.
2: And he wouldn't he wouldn't let them out of contract. Uh, even though he was out of the band. He just he he would he would still hold on to him, he was always scared they were gonna do well. It was only after he got a visit from Palmer Glenn's father who was could look after himself, who um that he eventually let the contract go. So he, he, he could be very, very vindictive and controlling, yeah. Like a lot of managers are actually. Yeah. So that was that period there. Then um Lightning Records—that was the one we eventually signed up to—and eventually the band split. We got on a lot of debt through this manager who was like a compulsive gambler. And um, (laughs) God, the story of
1: the music business, especially back then, is just crazy.
2: (laughs) Yeah, I wonder. I wonder if it is now. Do you not think it is now though as well? I don't know what goes on now. Maybe people are more probably.
1: Yeah. But just the story of these managers who were just ripping all these young kids off, just nonstop—it's yeah. just crazy.
2: Well, just that the so when the band one of the guys had enough and he just went, I'm, "I'm leave," he just left. Tosh, Tosh left the band. We'd already we checked out Dave after he got drunk when he, when we were on. It was something we almost regretted anyway. We we kicked him out of the band when we were. Uh, and an army base in Crete or something like that we played and they couldn't get on stage and we did it without him and Tam had always been trying to get him to get him out of the band anyway so we kicked him out and we regretted it almost immediately it was just one of these horrible I've got nightmares about it for years anyway so he was he he, he was already out of the band and he was like he was a big driving force in it as well Even being Hedy Pollard. oh wow uh, he, yeah, he he did great for him. He did brilliant for himself after that. So the band all split up. The drummer went on and became a lawyer and then he became a judge. Um, <laughs> and he, fed had no education. He had, didn't even have an O-level. He had nothing. Went back to school, became ducks of the school and then had this like amazing career. Me and Colin, we stayed with this, this manager and um, he took us to, we went across the we come down to London, we did a, made an album without, I hadn't paid for it yet. We paid, made an album and Colin went on to drums even, though he never played drums, but he, he, he's just a natural. And we did 10 songs in the studio, 10 demos, we took them to America. We shook hands on a deal with Roulette Records for $30,000. And meantime the manager bumped into somebody from CBS. So he wanted to hear this, these demos that we did. And he loved it. He said, I'm going to play it to um, Don DeVito. Now, Don DeVito was Billy Joel and Bob Dylan's uh, A&R man. So he played it to him. He loved it. And next thing, they offered us $200,000, which was the most that CBS had ever... Uh, paid for an unknown act at that time, so we reneged on a deal with Roulette Records, which didn't go down very well. Um,
1: <laughs> yeah, I've heard stories and, uh, about Roulette.
2: Wasn't that like a yeah, mobster yeah.
1: that was running that label? Yeah, yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. <laughs> I can't. I not I can't remember what family it's. I read more about it later on. I'm glad I didn't read about it. Yeah, I've I heard. It was I've heard heavy.
1: Tommy James talk about it. Yeah. Like,
2: yeah, uh, Tommy James and Two did Money, Money. Was it Tommy James? Yeah, and Mone, Mone, did, that, yeah, yeah.
1: They they were like yeah. the biggest act on Roulette. I would think would have been.
2: So we signed it this deal. Then eventually, then when they found out that we, um, <laughs> if we, we'd, we'd uh, Renee done a deal with Roulette Records, we were suddenly like pariahs at the record company. It was like nobody, uh, nobody wanted to know us. So the record came out, and nobody did anything. We didn't do any promotion, nothing. Nothing, nothing. No radio interviews, nothing at all. And they just, like, just treated the whole thing as nothing that's going on. I just lost twenty thousand pounds. That'd be forty thousand dollars at that time. The first, the night we arrived, we eventually blew the whole lot, and then, and then. Oh, and the Colin gambler. Ended up with,
1: this is the gambler.
2: Yeah. So he ended up even more getting us into debt even more as well. So and we still never, still hadn't seen any money yet. So eventually, when Colin and I split up, we had twenty-three thousand pounds worth of debt for forty-six thousand dollars at that time each in in nineteen eighty or so, it was just a, a phenomenal amount of money. I thought I was never going to get out of trouble. Yeah, so that that was the end of that. Then I came down. Uh, I was oh, that's yeah. I, I'd always been a writer. I'd always just wrote all the time, and I wrote most of the songs for, for the band, um, apart from the like the singles. I think I wrote. Uh, oh, she's going to win. the when we were called, we were uh, we they would not let us do our own stuff with Lightning Records, then uh, Tremlos did one of my songs or something like that. But, so I came down to London, I tried to get, I came down to think I was going to get a, try and get in a band playing as a guitarist. So I had these demos that I'd done just in my own, well, my like Reeboks, you know, where you just bounce it from one side to the other, you know, the, mm-hmm. uh, you, could get, you could get up to 16 tracks just on a two track, you know, just, so I had these demos, I was taking them along to companies and I'd, taking them to bands and now hoping to get a gig playing guitar with a band and then um, I can't remember the girls, Rowena I think her name was, she got a hold of them and she took them to Kip Crones, I don't know if you've heard them, he managed a band called Outfield mm-hmm. and uh, it used to look after the Moody Blues and other bands and stuff like that. So um, he heard them and asked me to come and meet them and that's how I ended up getting my record deal because at that time I wasn't looking to be a singer I was just I didn't didn't ever consider myself as a singer at that time and he got me some serial time and they, he took it to I think it. yeah I did the deal with Pollywood yeah a guy called Nick Garley signed me up he used, to be, he used to be in a band called The Motors
1: right
2: do you know The Motors? yeah yeah, yeah. he
1: was in Ducks Deluxe before that right
2: oh yeah oh got you know stuff yeah and we had the airport out and, um, mm-hmm. what's that one? Not Mad About You, what's that?
1: Oh, Forget About oh, You? I don't know. I think. Is it like
2: by the that? Yeah, I think it, yeah, they forget about you. Mm-hmm. Years later we did, well, we did some writing ourselves together and stuff like that. It was great, really talented guy. Anyway, so signed up to him, uh, brought out brothers and um, I ended up. That's how the thing in Portugal all happened because um, I didn't even know I'd sold a single record out there until two thousand and ten or something like that. When I went, this guy had trying to try, been trying for ages to get me to do a gig out there. Emmanuel Conglavis, his name is, and he um, and I kept turning them down. And I thought, I'm oh, I've never sold anything. Anyway. We got my go there and did a big concert and that and then it's been I've done it like four times since I did one like last week. Um was it two weeks ago? Oh really? Yeah, two weeks ago. Yeah, yeah, it was it was phenomenal. I've never had anything like that in my life. Take it's like the best reaction I've ever had, ever. I'll be in February. Which is just ridiculous. <laughs> but um yeah,
1: this is in Portugal, yeah. you
2: said? Yeah, in Portugal, yeah, yeah. Um, I did it at the Este Río uh, Casino and everybody sang along with the songs and I like, don't know the songs I did about fifty thousand with the first album then uh then uh, Mick Garvey, the management changed over and I suddenly had they had a new manager and then he was going to sack me. Then we played on Reputation, uh, that track and then um, I just thought or oh, changed and then I got got another album out. Which we did another fifty thousand with with that one. And then um then I started doing a bit of production, uh did um did like four tracks on a Michael Ball album and stuff like that. And then I wrote this musical, which is when to put on at the Edinburgh Festival next year. Yeah, that ended up taking a massive time. But since then, I've been playing with my wife, just doing pubs and stuff like that, which I enjoy more than anything, actually. Mm-hmm. You're in complete control. You're not like... There's nobody telling you what to do, apart from my wife. And that's it, basically, really. Yeah, I had a, a thing we just... Uh, got a track with this. this Is Springfield she did Reputation which was the title of um, her album as well so that was that was cool <laughs> that's my life in, in 15 minutes. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's, it's funny to yeah. me that you said you never thought of yourself as a singer because you have such a great voice. I mean, the, the vocals on your, your solo albums from the eighties are amazing. And, um, uh, and the you. songwriting, I mean, I love the album brothers. I think it's such a great uh, melodic rock album from that era and the the, yeah. the, the songwriting is—I just love. I love that those kinds of songs. Like I call it AOR, you know that that term. Yeah, that's
2: it. Yeah, that's what yeah. 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 I, it is, it is AOR. Yeah. yeah.
1: And, and Ed St- You worked with Ed Stasium on that record, right? How did that? Oh yeah, come
2: yeah, about? yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, it's funny. I I I told him this not long ago. I said I didn't appreciate like how good you actually were. Mm-hmm. you know at the time because cause I had my demos which I thought were like really good and so we go in the studio and every time you get used to your sound you know it's it's, it's there's always this thing oh he's not quite got the magic of the demo right. but he did he exceeded it you know he's he done fantastic yeah and I didn't realise how good he was till, till later and then I, I hear and I try and recreate that sound and it just he it just had, no. It did amazing yeah well, it was, producer.
1: it was a weird time. Yeah. You had gone from the glam rock era and then with the Chisholm and Spence album, it was almost more like kind of a soft rock or a singer songwriter. Yeah. Yeah. It was kind of style. Like that, yeah. But then you, in the mid eighties, yeah. you end up doing this kind of AOR hard rock yeah. kind of thing almost. But yeah. you know, you're, you're, that brothers really stands apart from a lot of stuff from that era, just in terms of the songwriting and uh, it's, you're kind of in that style of music, but it's not, you know, it's a lot different from survivor (laughs) or something like that. Um, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. But like, like certain songs, like, like, uh, will you never be my friend? I will call you family. I mean, those songs are just so great backdoor. I really love backdoor. And of course, brothers mm. is a is a really great song. Mm-hmm. I think the whole album, yeah. brothers, is great. Uh, so that oh. is it. That album that it was a big, a big thing in Portugal.
2: Yeah, if, yeah, uh I'll I'll send you some of the clips in that from it where they're, they're all singing along these to these songs that you're mentioning there.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Uh, Hear it from the heart, and yeah. brothers. Um, Never be my friend, and it was like. When it first happened, the first time I went, I was just shocked. I was like, I just I, I just couldn't, I couldn't believe. Of course, apart from the fact, I'm in another country that speaks a different language. And they're all singing along in English. Yeah. It, was, um, it was just, I mean, bands are used to that sort of stuff now. You know, everybody speaks English now, but to me, I was absolutely dumbfounded, really. Nothing really, nothing really happened much in this country. Didn't really have Reputation looked like it was going to take off. That was um, that was getting played on the radio. and that, um, the the first track, um, Reputation, from that, that was looked like it was going to happen. But others never really seemed to take. But but when I did, like Germany and and uh, and the Scandinavian countries, now it seemed to be getting played a lot there. So in America, to a certain extent, um, where where was it? It did really well. Some state, hear you it know, from the heart, went to number one. I can't remember which one it was.
0: This is the kind of love you all. This is the kind of love you all. Woo-hoo. Woo-hoo. Keep me. Keep me. Keep me. Keep you me. Your-
2: Some people, were, when I did the reputation album, they were like disappointed for the point of view. They wanted more of the same, mm-hmm. same type of thing, but I didn't want to do the same thing again. Whereas the Americans, especially the head of the company, preferred that because I wasn't doing the same as, as everybody else. They they, they liked that for that point of view. And for me personally, I, I found it, I liked reputation for the point of view of. Just the way I was using my voice, instead of being full on, like, belting the whole mm-hmm. time, you know. Mm-hmm. With Brothers, it's just, I'm just doing it, like, as high, and, <laughs> as high and as loud as I possibly could. You know, and I'm like, I'm, I'm recording where, where the next day I can't speak, that type of thing, you know. Mm-hmm. Whereas Reputation was more laid-back type of thing, and, you know, use my falsetto and stuff like that, you know. Whereas, when you go to Portugal, that's it's really all about the Brothers album, yeah. When you were, uh, when you guy, were writing
1: those songs, were you writing in that kind of style, or did they end up just getting produced that way and and kind of coming no, no, together that were, way in the studio, or
2: they were exactly that style? Yeah, exactly. find it's funny enough. Kip Crohn's just sent me my old demos and that he's had all that stuff, and he said, "Look, I've got some of your old stuff and that. Do you want to send that across?" So I bought a cassette player again, so I could hear them. It was very very near the mm-hmm. the drum. The drum fills everything. They really bang on with it. But just like simple rock, you know, r- strong riffs and like good strong chorus and stuff like that and full on, you know?
1: Yeah, I'm, I'm a big yeah. fan, a very big fan of that era and that kind of music. And I think Brothers is one of the best records of oh. that whole kind of genre. Oh,
2: thank you
1: but i i like reputation too it's like a kind of a poppier approach i guess more produced I, I would say come back home is one of my favorites of your songs for sure that's a that's a great yeah. song too do you yeah. remember write, writing that song
0: Yeah. Hey.
2: And I can remember how pleased my manager was when I played played him the demo and stuff like that, you know, because it was um. But this the that was the one that is probably nearest to what the Brothers album was. Mm-hmm. It was more in that you know, similar sort of style. I think that that is similar to Brothers in between Brothers and Reputation. I had I did a lot of stuff where you have like answer and back vocals, you know, where you do have a chorus, and then you stick in another melody in between. I did a lot of that. Yeah then which makes it a bit tricky when you're playing live but yeah i mean a lot of stuff was what i was in the middle of a transitional relationship with all this stuff and that's how a lot of the lyrics and that came out it was a never be my friend all that stuff was all stuff that was going on in my life at that time you know
0: Mm
2: -hmm. yeah that that's what you draw on isn't it that's what everybody it gives a sincerity to stuff you do if you talk about what's happening in your own life i suppose
1: yeah, I think that's uh, what would set Brothers apart from a lot of the other stuff of that genre is that the songs definitely do seem more personal and uh, yeah. more serious. And yeah, yeah. Going back to the glam rock days, I wanted to ask you about uh, what other bands did you play shows with? Like, Did you did you open for Slade and Sweet and all those kind of bands when you were in Bilbo Baggins? No, I didn't.
2: No. Oh, the only ones you did was we did we did a one gig with a glitter band. Um, okay. We did a whole whole tour with Mud, two mm-hmm. tours with Mud, I think, mm-hmm. and one tour with a bit. Mud were brilliant. Yeah, they were great band. They were a great band, but they were really brilliant guys and that they were really nice because we we never had any money in that and the singer um, Les he gave us he gave us twenty pounds, which doesn't seem a lot. But then it was a lot for us so we could get a drink because they didn't get, they didn't have a lot of money either. They were getting ripped off. Rotten. <laughs> the jackets, were, they were wearing the tour jackets themselves, like the, what the roadies were wearing. They they were on something like 3% royalties. Yeah. And and then they'd have all their expenses of that and split between four guys and having to give their manager commission. You know, they were just, they had, I think we worked out they made something like five thousand pound out of the biggest hit or something like that, something ridiculous. And then you didn't really make money on tours either. The tours were used to promote the records, so the price of a ticket was very cheap then.
1: Did Did you know the guys from Slick? Did you ever play any shows with them?
2: Well, our drummer. Right. The reason we had to wait for the summer in Bilbo Baggins. They said, "Oh, he's um, yeah, he'll be he, he'll he'll be finished with them next week," but it wasn't the truth. They went off to Germany, and it was um, they were called Salvation at the time. So Gordon Little, drummer, that eventually joined us, was was off gigging with them. Oh no, it was another band he was in Germany with. but he did a, He did a bit of a stint with uh, Salvation. So I met I met my dude in the street. We bumped into each other once in the street. Um, I didn't, I didn't know them. They, we, we both would have known each other because we were in the same magazines all the time. Mm-hmm. So we knew about them. And I, and I saw them in, um, I saw them at Clouds in Edinburgh. And they were, they were a great band, um, Salvation. They had mid, I think mid, they called Midge mid. And this is, I, I wouldn't swear on this because the singer of is called Jim. So they just changed, uh, his name's Jim Muir. Midge Ewer, his real name's Jim, James so they just put his name backwards. That's what I heard at the time. <laughs> but Yeah, they, they were a really good band, and he—I don't know why he didn't continue when the slick thing came along. mid you started singing, but yeah. until then he wasn't the singer. He was mm-hmm. a really good. Guitarist. he was a really good guitarist. He was really good. And but they they had it together really well. So, and then in, in a way, because they did that like the pop thing that they were spoon fed. By the the record company you, they were a really good band but you just didn't know how good they were you know Volvo Wagons actually had a bigger fall on at that time mm-hmm. um, even though we never had a success and uh, it was uh, maybe I don't know because I remember us doing a gig in Aberdeen where we'd sold out and they were down the road and it was half empty um, and that was at a time when they were they were Riding quite high, you know, but mid years just like an amazing transformations. It's just incredible what he's done. Yeah, went f- went from that, then was in a punk band, was in the rich kids, mm-hmm. and then um, went for that. What's it? Um, uh, did the Vienna stuff, and and then had his own own career again, and it's like unbelievable. And then to do that, the Christmas song, all that stuff as well. You know, it's really an unusual career he had. And managed to be accepted in all these different styles. Usually, when you go, if you you were in a a teeny band and suddenly becoming punk, you're not going to get accepted in that scene. But they seem to accept them you know. Yeah, I was wondering what what. uh, So,
1: how did it work out for you when the when the punk thing was happening? Did you did you try to participate in that at all?
2: Yeah, we we did. We did. We did to a certain extent. We never like wore the clothes or anything like that. But we started doing stuff that was a bit more edgy but we we dressed that's when we started dressing up in the blazers and stuff like that you know almost like anti-punk in a sense but still going along with that same more more like jam were doing do you know what I mean that mm-hmm. type of look is uh, that
1: when you went from being Bilbo Baggins to Bilbo kinda
2: uh, yeah we went to Bilbo and then we brought out. she's got wings but it's really poppy and really twee we did some really off off the wall stuff
0: At one time, I never ever thought I would lose, but I never saw her sneak up behind. I guess I always knew she's gone.
2: suddenly punk came along and all of a sudden you've got people at the front people screaming you've got all this stuff going and suddenly you go a gig and uh, there's the tumbleweed going through the hole, you know it's like it just went from it so quickly it just the whole thing just died and it was a it was quite a strange feeling you know when you've got like kids sleeping like sleeping outside your house and stuff like that and they're all pesting you and phoning you and all, all that stuff and you can't walk anywhere without getting recognised and suddenly it's all gone and while it's ongoing you're thinking oh this is a pain in the arse this is like a... oh I can't be bothered with this and when it does go it's like oh come back
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah exactly.
2: uh, yeah so we went and that's and then that's when we got signed up to Lightning Records funnily enough after that you know it was it was strange and that's that was uh, only a little bit of of record sales success was then
0: Mm-hmm.
2: After it, even though we did all these television shows and all the magazine stuff and all the tours, we just never, never seemed to get right with the records. You know. I'm on a dunno if you know the guitarist from Bobo uh back in his day, he died last year. Oh. Yeah, uh, And that the funny thing is we'd just done we just done a reunion. We'd done um two reunions, um, together. Three three reunions. Uh we got back together in twenty eighteen, I think it was, and then we did two nights again in two thousand nineteen. And I mean we hadn't seen the, the guitarist for years since he left the band really. I hadn't mm-hmm. seen him in maybe, and it was just like I just loved seeing him again. It was just like it was like we we're all friends again and stuff like that. It was it was brilliant? It was was um, oh, just 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 magical because it. I we used to, have, used to have sleepovers at his house when when we were really young and that you know, and then he got um, he got ill around about the time he got COVID, and it just didn't seem to get better, and then it ended up here like just riddled with cancer.
1: I didn't ask you yeah. about your your you new album that came out last year, uh, War Plus Love. Oh
2: yeah, yeah, yeah. You can ask about that. Yeah. Well, I I, I did like a lot of people but during the COVID time. I was um I was writing the whole time. I was just it was quite a nice period for me. I didn't mind COVID that much. It didn't bring me down or anything like that. I would just go in the studio every day. I was just constantly working. I, I did something like I think I wrote, I might I might have done as much as a hundred songs or something like that. Um. And I uh, I put together the um, the rockier ones for the War and Love album, and actually I did I did the the zombie. Uh, I played that one in Portugal.
3: Oh, it's you again. What is it now?
2: The funny thing is, uh, just yesterday I also did a lot of '70s stuff, which is like where I feel most natural. at, up, fun enough. I I want to bring that out next, and I've got enough. I've got more than enough albums for that. For that, more than enough songs for that compilation, so that that that'll be the next thing I'm bringing out. The thing is, I I just think now, just bring it out. What's the point of just lying in the studio, it, like you know, just lying there doing nothing, uh, and uh, this, some of my favorite songs are on that that's what i want to bring out next and i'll we'll probably do that in the next month i think i'll, I'll send you a copy if you want sure um, so it's an
1: album that sounds yeah. more like sounds like the 70s is that what you're saying yeah
2: yeah yeah very much so yeah mm-hmm. yeah you've got that sort of feel i'll send you a copy of that stuff did you did, have you had to listen to the album that i uh, brought out with zombie on it and yeah yeah
1: yeah, I like the uh, uh, "back up on my feet" was the one that kind of harkened back the most to Brothers. I thought.
2: well thank thanks a
1: lot brian it's been great talking to you
2: yeah no problem
1: okay i'll speak to you soon okay Bye. bye